A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. 70 a.m. The Zone. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, we definitely do our best to bring you everything connected to Wisconsin agriculture and the food you enjoy. How are you, everybody? Fabulous farm babe Pam Yonke welcoming you to a Friday. And the good news is the weather that we've been experiencing is only going to continue to warm up through the weekend. Today we'll see sunshine daytime highs right around 21 degrees. Tomorrow, sunshine and 24. Sunday, we do have a chance of snow in the forecast, but we'll touch out around 30 degrees. Monday, up to 37, believe it or not. I am happy to deliver that news. I'm also happy to remind you that tomorrow's the beginning of National FFA Week. We'll give you some fun facts about FFA today coming up uh, as we roll through the day. And uh, facts that we cannot deny about the Farmers to Families Food Box Program. The latest round of uh, designated funds Kind of disappointing, especially if you look at it from Wisconsin agriculture's perspective. Talking about it with Sherry Tussler, who is the director, executive director of the Hunger Task Force out of Milwaukee. She's following the money, and you might be surprised at where it's being spent. That's all on your way. We're on mutual assurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at ruralmutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin has a very vast beekeeping and honey industry. It's certainly been one of the sectors of agriculture that have been the most fun to learn about at the Midwest Farm Report. Josh Scramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And Caitlin, not only are we going to learn about the honey and beekeeping industry today, but from what I understand, one of Wisconsin's very own is moving on up. That's right, Josh. He's moving on up and promoting some of the smallest but hardest working members of agriculture from coast to coast. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Caitlin Riley. And I had the chance to chat with Jennifer Hinkle from Franklin, Wisconsin. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because she recently served as the Wisconsin Honey Queen and also worked at the Wisconsin State Fair. But in January, she was selected as the American Honey Queen in a virtual ceremony and And of course, her year will be a little less than traditional compared to the past in the program, but they're still hoping to reach all 50 states and U.S. territories. And Jennifer's love for bees really started on her family's farm. Growing up on a pumpkin farm, our necessity for the pollinating and insects was vital. So that's how we got started into having honeybees and now have two hives. So that helped bridge me into becoming the national spokesperson for the honey industry and then traveling coast to coast to share the messages of how important our honeybees are for pollination and the beautiful products that we receive from them that come from the hive. And you started at the state level as a Wisconsin honey queen to get there. Do you want to explain for people who don't know the process of this program? Because it's a really cool program that I don't think we talk about enough 
What does that look like to become this ambassador for the honey and beekeeping industry? Yes, there is that program that is offered through the state of Wisconsin and through the Wisconsin Honey Producers Association, where they have a position for a young lady to be the spokesperson for the honey industry of Wisconsin. So attending, again, different events, schools, and fairs to promote the usage of honey and how important our honeybees are to pollination. Since honeybees, even in the state of Wisconsin, are pollinating many of our essential fruits and vegetables, even like our cranberries, our apples, and cucumbers, and then expanding across the nation, pollinating over 90 different commercial crops that you and I get to enjoy. Wow, that is incredible. And you'd mentioned you get to do this publicity education and promotion, but how are you guys adjusting the program right now to be able to connect to people virtually or over the phone? We have had to modify slightly due to not as many in-person events. But being that we have such great technologies these days, we've had the option to do more virtual and remote promotions. So even doing school presentations, this past week we've had the opportunity to do about 10 school presentations virtually, even for students here in Wisconsin. So as our year moves forward, we will be doing lots of promotions at different events, beekeeper meetings, school presentations, just to still get our educational messages out there to teach about honey and the wide importance of pollination through all 50 states. And education about agriculture is nothing new to you. You had mentioned that you grew up on a farm. You understood the importance of pollinators for your pumpkin patch and other aspects that you had there. And you're also a face of the Wisconsin State Fair. Do you want to talk about what that has meant to be able to live and work this type of aspects for the industry and your day-to-day life? It has been. So growing up on a farm, I have loved everything agriculture, which is really what led me to my position at the Wisconsin State Fair and then running for the Wisconsin Honey Queen and American Honey Queen. I love all aspects of agriculture. So being able to talk about how important our honeybees are to all agriculture, not only in the state of Wisconsin, but also from coast to coast. Since our large-scale commercial beekeepers are essential to pollinating our large crops of even our almonds right now in California, since almonds are 100% reliant on the pollination from honeybees. Since one-third of the food that we eat is pollinated by insects, and 80% of that pollination is done by our honeybees. And beekeeping, is that something where if I didn't grow up on a farm, I can still get involved with? People are able to get involved through beekeeping in multiple different ways. But the best and first step that someone should take if they're interested in getting into beekeeping and learning more about our honeybees is to contact your local extension agent to see what the rules are for having bees in your area and then connecting with a local bee group or beekeeping organization to learn more about what is needed and the steps and how to take care of your bees properly. Is this a full-time term, or is this something that you're doing in addition to your other work-life balance? Being the national spokesperson for the honey industry is a full-time job. So just like our honeybees have their full-time job of pollinating, doing this is a full-time commitment, being that the messages that we need to portray about how important our honeybees are need to be spread wide, because most don't understand of how important our pollination is to get the food that we enjoy. Imagine having one-third of the food that you eat 
not available. So walking into the grocery store in the fruit and produce section, and one-third of that food is just gone because of our important honeybees and the pollination that they're doing. And is there anything that everyday people can do? I know right now it's in the winter months, so we're not quite thinking about flowers, but are there any small steps that the average person could think about doing in their home or yard to make their place more bee-friendly? One of the things that our honeybees do need is a wide and diverse food source, as you mentioned, with planting flowers. While that is a bit of a challenge at this moment with our snow on the ground, but when it gets to be springtime, planting a wide and diverse variety of flowers that are available throughout the year is essential for our honeybees so they have a diverse food source. But even at this time, a way that you can still help support our honeybees and our beekeepers from not only the state of Wisconsin, but from across the country, is to enjoy all of the different products that we receive from the hive, including honey. I was going to say a lot of us see honey as a sweet treat, but it also has some nutritional benefits that we can take advantage of. Yes. Honey can be used more than just as a sweetener in your tea, but you can add it into a baking recipe to sweeten your chocolate chip cookies or even using it as a facial scrub or hair moisturizer because honey has moisturizing properties as well. Wow, I never thought of doing that, but I'm always game for trying more ideas, especially ones that can incorporate some local agricultural products. That is so cool. And I'm assuming that you will be sharing tips, education, recipes, what have you, on different platforms throughout your year. Where can people reach you or keep up with what you're doing as an ambassador for the honey industry? There are multiple different ways that you can follow the reach and the way that we are getting out into the public to spread these messages. One of the ways is to follow us on the American Honey Queen Program Facebook page, as well as on our website, buzzingacrossamerica.com. It has a lot of great information for our younger, be excited students that want to learn more. There's videos and educational material and even a section where you can ask questions and we can get back to you to help answer these questions. And is there also an opportunity for teachers who I know right now some are in class, some are still at home. Is there a chance for teachers who want to incorporate what you have to offer into their education, whether it's virtual, in person? Can they reach out to you? I would encourage them to visit our Facebook page and message us to set up a school presentation or to find something that we can fit into the teaching material that the teacher is looking for. Since we can talk on a wide variety of topics on how the different usage of honey is and why we have over 300 varieties of honey in the United States, as well as the importance of pollination in whichever state they are from. Wonderful. And we look forward to seeing you out and about in this role. Hopefully we'll be able to catch you at the Wisconsin State Fair if that fits in your schedule and if we get back to a sense of normal and or any other activities that you're buzzing around with. Those are all the questions that I have for you. But is there anything else that you want to add? Anything else that you want people to know? One of the beautiful aspects of our honey is the over 300 different varieties of honey. So I encourage listeners to be able to try the different types since each different variety of honey is going to have a different flavor to it, from a very light, delicate flavor up to a dark and bold flavor. And each of those different varieties of honey is determined based on the different floral source. So experiment with the different types of honeys that our honeybees provide us and a different way. Rather than just cooking, try adding it into your daily skincare routine. 
Once again, that's Jennifer Hinkle, your 2021 American Honey Queen who has a busy year ahead. The 2021 American Honey Princess is Virginia Allen from Texas. As Jennifer said, you can keep up with their adventures on Facebook or at buzzingacrossamerica.com. We have those links at midwestfarmreport.com. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Kate and Riley. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits, like savings on select Ford trucks and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual Insurance recently issued a special dividend to support their auto, home, farm, and business customers to help keep Wisconsin strong. This dividend will pay out over $5 million back to their policyholders. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Who better to taste test your dirt than a worm? <coughs> Tastes like grit. Say what? Grit. I said grit. At Kalani Topsoil, you'll always find the perfect blend. Our soils are mixed specifically for your lawn, garden, or landscape application. You'll love it without having to taste it yourself. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. <laughs> You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Oh, we're rolling into a weekend, and all indications are that uh, temperatures are going to warm up just a little bit. Let's find out about it. It's a Compure Financial Ag Weather Update on a Friday. Stumak Ag Meteorologist along with us. So, I, you know, not to take away from our weather, but boy, I still feel for the folks that are down in Texas. Uh, Dallas today is going to hit a daytime high if they're lucky, in the mid-30s. And there are some folks down there that are going on four or five days of uh, no power, no water. I mean, boy, the wheels just came off on them. Oh, they sure did. A salesman I deal with called me yesterday. I've been trying to get a hold of him since Monday. Never dawned on me. He called just as, I'm in Texas, man. Mm. Oh. Was was he feeling some of that? Uh, no power, no... Uh, no... Oh, yeah. He had no power, no internet, no water. He was in the apartment with no heat. He finally did find a hotel room for one night. He says, of course, the first thing I wanted was a hot shower. They didn't have water. Oh, (laughs) really? You know, it's, it just, you'd, you'd never think uh, in this day and time that the power grid in a state like Texas would go down so fast, but uh, we're getting all kinds of those stories coming our way. And, you know, like I said, uh, I sympathize with them. I really do. 
You know, I talk about 36 as Dallas is high today. Boy, you know, up here, that would feel pretty doggone good. Oh, yeah, we think it's great, but, you know, we're prepared for it. We know it happens, and we've got everything stocked up, and we're always good to go in those kind of situations. We are going to uh, lack that need to really stock up because temperatures are going to start turning here. Oh, not too quickly yet today or tomorrow, but I think next week sounds a lot nicer. But we also then have to deal with just a little snowfall that could edge on in. The radar indicating some lake effect snows. Upper and lower Michigan, that whole southwest edge of Michigan, having a little lake effect snow today. No concerns for us. There will be a few more clouds around you may like to see, but it will be a very fine day indeed. Still on the cooler than normal side, but a big change from earlier in the week. And, you know, we've all adjusted and we think this is going to be a fine day. That's just the case then, warming slowly through the weekend. That snow chance as low pressure builds in, popping up for Sunday, lasting into Sunday night. And then even more mild air come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week. Temps all around and above normal. The normals are in the low 30s. It sounds very fine indeed with a little mild air giving us a chance to get some cleanup. And, you know, that uh, little break where the snow may have been building up and we don't want it to. eh, When it's a little more mild, a lot easier to take care of that work. I'll have forecast details right after this. Being a member owner pays at Compure Financial. As a farm credit cooperative, Compure's member owners share in the profits. And this year, member owners will receive $197 million back in patronage. Learn more at compure.com backslash patronage. Compure Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. Patronage allocations, redemptions, and payments remains at the discretion of the board of directors based on a combination of factors including the risk in portfolio, earnings, and current capital position. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. Alrighty, Stu, for folks that are maybe going to try to get a little sledding in or make a last-minute uh, snowman, sounds like some things outside could go pretty good. I think so. Pretty nice look at the weekend. I mean, our Compure Financial Forecast does call for partly sunny or even mostly cloudy skies today. Better chance of sun in the west and not too bad. Upper teens closing in on 20 here and there with the west winds about 5 to 10. Overnight, a few more clouds. We drop back to zero or just one or two below. Not too cold. And our west winds will be around 5. Saturday is gorgeous. Mostly sunny skies. Talk about some mid-20s. 24, 25 degrees. Yeah, wind chills uh, around zero. And I'd look for south winds to be at about 5. It's on Sunday that, yes, we have more clouds and there'll be some snow. Closer to 30 for a high, though. And the southeast winds at 5 to 10. Sunday and Sunday night, Pam, I'd say an inch or two of snow. Many locations, La Crosse and Mauston could add a little more, maybe a 3. Are we? Is it going to be that fluffy stuff or what? Are heavy stuff or what? Well, when you get to be, you know, 30 degrees for a high on Sunday, it's going to be snowman making snow. Okay. Push it around a little bit then. Yeah. And next week, the outlook, are we going to stay average or above? 
Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking mid thirties most days. We may hit a forty once Ooh. and cooling somewhat toward the end of the week, but even then right around normal. So So no big it's weather going to be beautiful. No big weather patterns that are sneaking up on us. I just keep thinking of those poor folks in Dallas. You know what I mean? Those fronts come in and all of a sudden everything's back on its keister. Now uh, they ought to get their break. The temps ought to start rising for them too, and they'll they'll be able to thaw out. Hopefully. All right. Have a good weekend, buddy. We'll catch you Monday. Catch you then. Bye now. Stumach is our ag meteorologist with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Don't forget, Compure Financial is your financial partner when it comes to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compure.com. All kinds of food news coming your way on a Friday. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When it comes to putting a room together, I'm brilliant. No idea where you come up with these things. You didn't put the room together. I can just scribble an idea down on a piece of paper and voila! You drew the room and handed it to a Lazy Boy interior designer. I don't know how I do it. These ideas just come to me. Your idea was to go to Lazy Boy. That's all anyone has to do. I mean, I'm not bragging. You're totally bragging. But a little planning and you could have a home that looks like this. Anybody can do that. It just takes a simple meeting with a Lazy Boy interior designer. It takes about an hour, then they take it from there. It just feels good to have it all come together like this. I can finally put my feet up and relax. You've had your feet up the whole time. It's time to order your custom designs for summer delivery. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor Madison. East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Need to schedule plumbing, HVAC, or electrical service, but are too busy to call during the day? The Dave Jones team makes scheduling convenient. Just text them and get connected directly to their service team. Send them a text at the same number you'd call, and Dave Jones will promptly get you on the schedule. After all, Dave Jones is your trusted service partner. DaveJonesInc.com no doubt about it. The best seat in the house is the one in your bathroom. The toilet is one of those things you never expect to act up or break down. But when it does, Benjamin Plumbing will have one of their capable service techs check things out. It could be something as simple as a float valve. Or it could be you're due for a brand new, comfy toilet. And not to worry, the majority of Benjamin Plumbing's residential repairs are more affordable than you might think. Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs. Temperamental Toilet? Contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Are you one of the 100 million Americans that suffer from chronic pain? Hi, my name is Tim O'Brien, owner of The Healthy Place. I want you to know about a natural alternative called Cura Relief. Inflammation is the root of your pain. Nutrients in Cura Relief like Bospir and BCM Curcumin are two of the most therapeutic anti-inflammatories on the globe. 9 out of 10 people feel a difference in less than 45 minutes, no matter what kind of pain you have. Back pain, muscle pain, joint pain, arthritis... 
I am on a mission to educate the community on natural alternatives that work. For less than $2 per day, you can stop the pain and the drugs naturally with Cura Relief. Come on over to any of our four locations for in-store shopping or curbside pickup. Or stay home and take advantage of our same-day delivery in Dane County. Free shipping, live chat feature on our website, and phone consultations. Stop in or check us out online at findyourhealthyplace.com. The Healthy Place. Huh. Nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Who was your hero when you were a kid? Neil Armstrong or Louis Armstrong? Roberto Clemente or Walter Cronkite? Rosa Parks or Sally Ride? You're the right age to do something you can be remembered for. Register to become an organ and tissue donor. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s or beyond, any age is the right age to donate the gift of life. Learn how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Robbie, do the Packers need to do this move, get it done? Is it in their best interest? Or, no, no, don't do it. Oh, no, it's absolutely in their best interest if they can come to some type of financial agreement where, I mean, I, everybody keeps forgetting. I mean, everyone just says, oh, it, it, it should be such a no-brainer, right, for them for them to bring in J.J. Watt. I mean, Evo, they're, they're 15 over the cap if the cap is 190. And, and, you know, the NFL said this morning already, you talk about news breaking, but they said this morning the, the, the absolute lowest it would be is 180. So, you know, a few weeks ago they had said the lowest it would be Evo is 175. So it's gone up five since then, and, okay. and, they, and they won't put a number on it. They haven't done that yet, so it's really hard for teams to figure and to calculate exactly what kind of financials they have heading into, into free agency. But, but the bottom line still remains. You know, Green Bay is substantially over the cap, whatever that number winds up being. And, and they're going to have to dump a handful of players just to get to that cap number. Forget signing Aaron Jones or Corey Lindsley or J.J. Watt. Um, now, can they go ahead and whack an extra guy or two? Absolutely, and create the room for a J.J. Watt. Can they go restructure some contracts like the quarterbacks, much like David Bakhtiari did? Absolutely. I, I, Evo, I don't think there's any question. They, they need another difference maker up front, right? I mean, it's Kenny Clark and then a bunch of guys. Um, you know, do they cut a Dean Lowry and save that kind of money and, and put it to J.J. Watt? I, I think anybody in, in, in their you know, right mind would, would support that. Um, I, I, I talked to some people yesterday very, very close to Watt, and, and I certainly think it's a, a distinct possibility, you know, on Green Bay. 
but there's a few other teams certainly in play, too. Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Um, he wants to win a Super Bowl. That's first and foremost. He's got plenty of money. He's a simple guy. He doesn't care that much about the economics. He's, he's got enough to live and have, you know, four more generations of Watts live extremely comfortably. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 Evo, I, I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, the, J.J. moved to Pewaukee at, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. The family moved there. They had lived in Green Bay until then. Evo, they lived less than a mile from Lambeau Field back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he grew up his first, you know, 10 years on, on this planet living within a mile of Lambeau. Um, I, he was amazed and stunned when, when Houston came to Green Bay, uh, you know, for some you know, for some practices a couple years back. I think that was, what, the summer of 19. And he looked around, at, you know, outside the fences and the crowds and, you know, uh, you know, on the practice field, and he saw all these 99 jerseys, um, you know, the J.J. The, the Watt jerseys in the crowd. He's beloved here. I mean, there's no question. He's a, he's a state icon. He's, he's loved in my area, you know, in Pewaukee. He still goes out. He still goes back there, and he works out a number of nights in the summer at about midnight. Um, all the time with him and his brothers, just it's not because they're standoffish. They 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 want to get their work done, so they don't want to bump into high school kids. So they go, you know, from eleven to one at night sometimes, and, and they do their workouts when they're home seeing mom and dad. Um, he's obviously got property in the state. Um, he he's beloved in Madison by by Badger Nation. He, he you know, if everything that guy has done in his entire career and his entire life leading up to now is he's done it the right way, right? And um, to get him on a two-year deal or something like that, to line up next to Kenny Clark, and then you bring up Deary and Zedarius on pass rushing downs, I mean, that would be pretty darn formidable, Evo. So, yeah, no, J.J. Watt to Green Bay would, would make a ton of sense for the Packers. The only the only thing is, is, is that where Watt wants to end up, and, and can they get the financials figured well, out? Well, Rob, I'm thinking of it just as, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of J.J. Watt. I mean, we're both very chiseled, both very, very handsome, have beautiful wives, you know, Rob. I mean, he's JJ Watt. I think wants my workout regimen, but I would like his both six five, three ten, right, with four and a half percent body. I mean, fat, we're, the right? the resemblance is uncanny, Rob. And I think <laughs> I think what he would want, I, I want his bank account. You know, I'm sure he wants to be in these airwaves. But Rob, I was trying to think of it like this: growing up a Packers fan, you see Reggie White come to Brett Favre, and they get a Super Bowl, right? I'm not comparing JJ Watt to Reggie White, but it's shades of it. Could J.J. Watt be that guy to come to Aaron Rodgers and bring that next Vince Lombardi trophy? Isn't that just like something a Hollywood you know, movie producer would make for a movie? The hometown kid goes home to his team that he's I mean, always that, loved? No, no question about it. The, the, the biggest question still remains, though, you know, what does J.J. have left? I mean, I think when Reggie got to Green Bay in, the, in 93, he had a lot more left than JJ does right now. I, you know, I've talked to a few people around the league that that told me, Evo, they believe JJ probably only has two more years left. And you know, you bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Looking forward to sunshine today, a high of around 21. Sunshine tomorrow, 24. By the time we get to the front part of next week, we should see temperatures in the mid to upper 30s. Doesn't that sound nice? I'm Pam Youngke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a finally Friday. It is the 19th day of February. Not a lot of historical items that I can bring to you, folks. On this day, back in... 1945, U.S. troops landed on the Japanese island of Iwo Jima. 
That's that photo that so many people identify with from World War II of the four Marines that are putting the U.S. flag up on the island. It's become one of the best-known images of World War II. That happened on this day back in 1945. And now you know. We talk about our weather improving here in the state of Wisconsin, but I'll tell you elsewhere, they are continuing to struggle with weather-related challenges, especially in the south. Again this morning, places like Dallas, Texas are waking up with a hard freeze warning and their daytime highs today not much better than the mid-30s. This kind of sub-zero weather or below normal averages are really hard on farm country and it's also made it hard to ship commodities from farm country to their eventual destinations. Mike Steenhook is the executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition and he says this unusually long cold snap is really slowing things down. A lot of people don't understand the impact it has on rail efficiency. Clearly, when you have snow or ice that have covered the tracks, you have to clear it, and that all of a sudden imposes some inefficiency on the system. But what a lot of people don't appreciate is the impact of severe cold weather on the air braking system that trains rely on. And when the temperature does get so cold, the railroads are forced to shorten the length of their trains. They have to maintain the same amount of locomotive power, but you can't have such a long train unit. Mike Steinhook with the Soy Transportation Coalition says that smaller train units trying to move things around takes longer to move the same amount of agriculture freight as a normal-sized train, and that means that the system overall becomes less economical, less efficient. He said the weather's also been hard on the inland waterway system. The upper Mississippi River system typically closed from December through March, but shipping along the Illinois River has also slowed down quite a bit because the channels of open water are narrower than usual because of the ice that's formed. So when that occurs, the Army Corps of Engineers will impose width restrictions. So the number of barges that you can lash together to ultimately comprise a barge tow or what's called a flotilla, you have to limit the number of barges that can be attached together. Each individual barge can handle well over 50,000 bushels of soybeans. So every time you remove one of those barges, all of a sudden that certainly decreases the efficiency of the system as well. Steinhook says even the barges that would normally be moving up and down the waterways through the locks and dam system are having a tough time. Think about every time you go through a, a lock and dam, there's crew members that have to get outside, unlash parts of that barge flotilla to send it through. They essentially break it apart, send part of the whole tow or flotilla through one a lock chamber, and then they bring the rest of it through. Every time they go through a lock, that involves people being outside in cold weather. Obviously, there's ice accumulation because you're dealing with water on the inland waterway system. It just becomes all the more dangerous. Mike Steenhook, who's executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Now think about it. It's not just about the machines that are impacted with cold weather in areas that they're not accustomed to it. It's also the people. Cold temperatures obviously are a concern for crew members. That certainly applies to barge crew members, but then also rail and also truckers. So there's obviously a necessary amount of time when you're in the supply chain that you have to step out of your truck, out of your your locomotive, out of the barge to provide service. Then when you have severe cold temperatures, that limits the amount of time that those individuals can operate safely. So, again, that's just one more kind of inefficiency that you often don't think of. 
Mike Steinhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Like you said, some of those things you just don't think about. You almost take them for granted. But then again, in light of the pandemic, is there anything we take for granted? Well, I'll tell you what, if you've got the itch to try to start thinking about springtime planning, well, you're going to get a chance to scratch it this weekend. It's the annual Wisconsin Garden and Landscape Expo. And because of the pandemic, everything is virtual. So that means no matter where you are, you'll get a chance to tap into some great ideas as far as lawn and garden ideas are concerned. Lisa Johnson's the Dane County Extension Horticulture Specialist, and she said it is a good time to start thinking about springtime plantings. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, They've put together a really nice set of programs. It runs from 8.30 to 9 o'clock p.m., both Saturday, February 20th and Sunday, February the 21st. Um, I will be there at the virtual question and uh, answer booth uh, a couple times. Um, A lot of my colleagues will be there, too, from 2 to 3.30 on both days and we'll be uh, giving gardening advice. Uh, so if you have some questions, please feel uh, free to bring them, and we'll be more than happy to talk to you. Um, I will also be giving um, a re- pre-recorded presentation and answering questions live about rain gardens on Sunday from 5 to 6 o'clock. But there, there's everything from cranes on the landscape to um, some exercise classes to get yourself ready for gardening. Um, there's a wonderful talk by Jerry Apps on setting the stage for successful gardening. So there's a lot for many different um, likes uh, that you might have on various gardening topics. Lisa Johnson, Dane County Horticulture Extension Specialist, and she is one of the people that's also going to be available during the Garden and Lawn Expo to answer real-time questions from the audience. If you want to tap in virtually, jump online, wigardenexpo.com, wigardenexpo.com. All right, let's switch gears. Take a look at what's developing on a Friday morning as far as the markets are concerned. Actually, pretty quiet. Remember, today is day number two of the annual USDA Ag Outlook Forum. I haven't seen any major headlines come out of what ag economists have been predicting. But again, like I said, there's always today. In overnight electronic trade this morning, we've got December corn up just a half a cent at 4.59. November soybeans, they're up six right now at 11.92. July wheat, that's down a penny at 6.48 a bushel. Yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese dropped another penny and a half to 142 and a half. 40 pound block cheese was down two at 151. Double A butter stood still at $1.49 and a half per pound. The fluid milk contracts for March this morning are down 11 at 1617 a hundredweight, with the April milk down six at 1692 a hundredweight. Next week, we'll be focused in on Wisconsin FFA. Why? Because tomorrow's the beginning of National FFA Week. Here's a couple numbers for you. Did you know that today, FFA members across the United States number more than 700,000? Those are members in grades 7 through 12 
that belong to more than 8,600 local FFA chapters. And remember, the FFA today is not just the United States. It's also members in Puerto Rico as well as the U.S. Virgin Islands. We're celebrating National FFA Week that starts tomorrow and continues all next week, uh, catching up with some of our Wisconsin State FFA officers, including the state president, finding out how they are managing to carry the message of the blue and gold to chapters all across the state, even in light of the pandemic and all the adjustments that have been made as far as school schedules are concerned. They're still keeping a positive spin on the blue and gold, and we'll be focused in on that all next week during National FFA Week. Keeping an eye on federal funds and the Farmers to Families Food Box Program. That's next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. At the American Lung Association, we're fighting for a day when we can all breathe easier. We're fighting for clear skies over every city and healthy lungs throughout the country. We're fighting to keep harmful secondhand smoke out of our public spaces and workplaces and fighting to free millions of Americans from the addictive grip of tobacco and the devastating effects of lung disease. We're fighting for a day when kids no longer battle airborne poisons in their own homes or the fear of an asthma attack. The American Lung Association isn't just fighting for air, we're fighting for all the things that make it worth breathing, and we can use your help. Join us in the fight, visit fightingforair.org, and read about just a few of the many ways the American Lung Association is fighting to protect the air we breathe, both indoors and out. See what you can do at fightingforair.org. From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, as we kind of wrap it up on a Friday morning, focusing in on Farmers to Families Food Box Program. You know, that turned into a real staple for a lot of families, a lot of farmers, a lot of food banks, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture in light of the pandemic in 2020. What is its outlook in 2021 and what's going on with some of the federal funds that we hear have been allotted to that program today? I decided to follow up and talk about it with Sherry Tussler. She is the executive director of the Hunger Task Force. Now, she's in Milwaukee, but that Hunger Task Force reaches out across the state of Wisconsin trying to provide those uh, food banks, food pantries with what they need to serve the people that are struggling. And you know what's disappointing is she tells me that the latest round of funding 
from the U.S. Department of Agriculture for that Farmers to Families Food Box program not only disappoints as far as what it delivers to families, it really disappoints when it comes to inclusion of Wisconsin commodity goods. And Tussler said the future of the Farmers to Families Food Box program, very uncertain, and that's bad news for a lot of families that depend on it and bad news for Wisconsin agriculture. Well, round five was announced, um, and it is uh, four weeks and two days long, and we are already in the fourth week. And so it could be that that's an end to the Farmers to Families Food Box Program. But the bad news, Pam, um, and for everybody listening, is that the Farmers to Families Round Five Food Box is only about $25 worth of food, and that one single item inside that box was made in Wisconsin. Yeah, that really is a shame. Tell us how that happened, Sherry, because I think many people were under the impression by the sheer name of the program that a lot of, at least portions of those food boxes, would come from the agricultural state's closest. Right. The uh, the big winner was a group called Produce Alliance out of Illinois, and they won eight states, and so they had to transport food across eight states in this four-week period of time, and Wisconsin was completely overlooked. When we reached out, literally the day that they were awarded the grant, they said, oh, all the boxes have been spoken for. Hmm. Interesting. So now, what does this leave you, Sherry? Is, uh, you know, like you said, you're two days away from basically exhausting even that round of uh, poultry offerings. So where does that leave you? Well, what it means is for rural food pantries, um, tribal nations serving indigenous people and uh, independent food banks across Wisconsin, that there isn't going to be an additional supply of food where we're going to run out of food in the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, we all hoped it was going to be over with by now, but it's not over with. And the fact that we don't have a plan B on hand that we can immediately turn to, knowing that there's an end, is really troublesome because people still aren't stable. Now, am I correct? There have been monies allocated in Washington, D.C. Any word on when they might be released or, or anything like that? No, we know that President Biden was in town and announced um, additional funding for the food share program, and so there'll be additional 15% on top of that. Um, but we aren't seeing any additional rounds of Farmers to Families food box programs being announced. We're not seeing any additional help um, in the form of commodities that could go to those rural communities. And so it's troublesome to think about the people who have been going to these outdoor distributions once a week looking for the help that they need and get and suddenly not having an option for them. Now, a lot of people are going to say, wait a minute, Sherry, the governor just announced that he wanted to dedicate $43 million in agriculture support, some of which uh, I'm assuming would go towards those efforts. What are you hearing on that campaign? Well, what we're hearing is that $20 million of it would go to food banks or hunger relief organizations, but that's a budgeted item, and so people have to realize that having it budgeted doesn't mean that it's going to survive the budgeting process, and so the soonest that help would be available would be early July, and that's a long time from now. 
You know, people have to realize that uh, the Hunger Task Force has been very efficient uh, in the throes of a pandemic on making your dollars go a long ways and working very closely with Wisconsin agriculture. Can you kind of go back and give us a little bit of a tally? I mean, Sherry, everything from uh, the the dairy efforts uh, right on through to coordination of some of the food boxes early on, give them just a little bit of a rundown on how Hunger Task Force has performed already. Well, we started back in April um, buying up the milk that was being spilled. And so since last April, we have um, purchased nearly 4 million pounds of Wisconsin dairy and distributed it to all 72 counties. That included more than 307,000 gallons of milk, 800,000 pounds of cheese, it included yogurt and cottage cheese as well. And then in August, we got funding from DATCAP, which was CARES funding, and we reinvested that funding not only in building the capacity of food pantries across the state, but in purchasing Wisconsin products. And so we spent another $10 million buying Wisconsin products and helping Wisconsinites feed their, themselves and their families. And all of that food was bought from Wisconsin businesses, Wisconsin dairymen, and uh, Wisconsin cheesemakers. Mm-hmm. So those, uh, those stats are already in play. For people that are uh, wondering if there's anything they can do at all besides twiddle their thumbs, Sherry, uh, I mean, I guess, what can they do? What's at play? I mean, I know they can always donate, but is there a bigger effort that they might be able to help with? Yeah, I think we need to call our elected officials and say we can't wait for this help. That you know the governor's got an idea, and it's it's really frankly, Pam, it's a ten million dollar idea because it's twenty million dollars over the biennium, and ten million dollars is something that Hunger Task Force spent in five months last year. And so we need to have a bigger, better view of this problem. We need to figure out how to build a badger box, and a badger box would be something that is. 100% Wisconsin products purchased by fam- or from family farmers, from Wisconsin food producers, uh, aggregated here in our state, driven across our state by people who live in our state, and then getting it out to hungry families across rural Wisconsin. Do you have the connections to be able to do that, Sherry? We do. We do, and uh, all we really need is the legislative will to make it happen, and so we're encouraging people to call up their state senator, their state representative, and say, what are we doing? Not only about helping Wisconsin farmers, but helping Wisconsin's hungry. It's time to take some political action. What do you think about that idea? A badger box. That's Sherry Tussler, executive director of the Hunger Task Force, and she's asking you to mobilize your voice and let your elected officials know that you'd like to see something like a badger box created with state and federal funds to help feed people in Wisconsin with the food we produce in Wisconsin. Now, I know it's just getting started, but we're going to keep you focused in on the badger box concept. The state legislators that are ready to sign on in support of this kind of localized, homegrown effort and uh, what you can do to help. Sherry Tussler with the Hunger Task Force. You know, since the pandemic started a year ago now, the Hunger Task Force has really tried to do what they can, working with Wisconsin agriculture to help feed people with the limited dollars that they've got. As of this week, the Hunger Task Force had delivered more than 3.9 million pounds of dairy. They delivered it to more than 12 different sites across the state, with more being planned next week. But again, like Sherry said, 
It is all about where the money's coming from. Talk to your elected officials about the concept of building a badger box where all of Wisconsin agriculture would be represented in that box to help feed the hungry of our state. We'll keep you posted on its progress. Well, tomorrow is the beginning of National FFA Week. Don't forget to pause 